Robinson, Sabonis, two-man game inside. Thomas, dominant, dynamite inside on that one. Not afraid, and he got some dog in. And the steal, they can tie it with a three. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Bulls podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brandon Nunez, and today we get to review our first game of the 2021-22 Sacramento Kings season. Uh, the Kings just pulled out a win in preseason game number one. Uh, preseason is going to be the asterisk for this entire episode that I'll probably repeat way too often, but it's just preseason. Um, but they did beat the Lakers 105-75, and a 30-point win on the Lakers is going to feel good no matter preseason, regular season, or, or whatever, play-in, whatever it is. Uh, always feels good to beat the Lakers. And today the plan is just to kind of go through my thoughts and takeaways from this preseason game, uh, the opener, the first game that we've seen Mike Brown, the first game we've seen Kevin Herter, KZ Paula, who ended up starting, and so many of these other guys that were uh, new members in the rotation, Chima Moneki, Kent Bazemore, Keegan Murray played phenomenally in his debut. Um, the first time we've seen Quinn Cook, Matthew Dellavedova, uh, Sam Merrill. So there was definitely a good handful of things that I felt like we could take away from this. Again, take everything with a grain of salt because it is just preseason. Uh, it feels very necessary to preface that and then throw that out there probably before everything that I mentioned in here. And the first thing that I want to get to is lineups. And obviously, uh, again, lineups specifically are something that you really, really can't take much from in preseason, but I can't help myself. And we're going to have to see which ones of these trends or which one of these things that I noticed in how Mike Brown went about his lineups uh, becomes a trend and carries over into these next games. So obviously, the big highlight is KZ Akpala getting the starting spot. Mike Brown told us at practice um, prior to the team leaving to LA for their preseason opener that De'Aaron Fox, Harrison Barnes, and Tamontis Sabonis were all locks to be in that starting lineup. And then he said the two and the four spots were still up for debate. That they had guys they liked in mind there, um, but they were still up for debate. And first of all, it's worth notice, noting that obviously the two we knew was an opening alongside Fox. Um, but for him to also say the four, I think is kind of intriguing, um, implying that Harrison Barnes is then a three, a small forward, and that they need a power forward alongside him, which is interesting. Um, Keegan Marie does fall into that after the game that Keegan played. Um, that preseason opener against the Lakers. Mike Brown had a lot of praise for Keegan Murray and mentioned versatility in in the course of his conversation as well and highlighted how he thinks he can play multiple positions, which I'm assuming is the three and the four. So we could definitely see him playing in that starting lineup. But he went with Casey Akpala. And obviously Akpala's big plus is his defense. 6'8 with a 7'2 wingspan. And Akpala's defensive versatility is is pretty crazy. Um, you know, it's hard to tell. Does this have to do with just playing the Lakers that play a jumbo lineup where LeBron is at the three, AD is at the four, Damian Jones is at the five? Um, but Casey Akpala was the one covering 
LeBron James from from the jump in this game. And when Keegan Murray came in, Keegan had some reps on LeBron as well and did an all right job. Um, but yeah, I think that it's notable also the context here. And then maybe we could see the lineup change based on that context because Casey Akpala might be the best option at guarding LeBron James. Um, I know it sounds like a pretty low bar. And to be fair, it is a low bar. The Kings don't have very many good defenders on this team. But Casey Alpala is a really solid defender. Again, the foot speed that he has while being 6'8", um, again, that 7'2 wingspan. It, I went back and did a breakdown on the Kings Herald not long ago from when he played on the Nigerian national team, with uh, a, which was a team that was coached by Mike Brown, Jordy Fernandez, Luke Laux was part of that roster, that coaching staff for a little while as well. And Casey Akpala was checking Dame Lillard at the beginning of the game. He's also switching on to Bam Adebayo um, at the end of that qualifier, or I'm sorry, friendly that they played against USA. Kevin Durant was doing everything that Kevin Durant does do uh, to bring the U.S. back into that game. And what does Mike Brown do? He throws Casey Akpalam on it for the last possession. Like Mike Brown said prior to that, that he thinks Casey Akpala has defensive player of the year type potential. Now let's calm down a little bit there. I think he's just hyping up his guy. Uh, but I don't think that you just throw out those words. I think Mike Brown has a lot of belief in what Casey Akpala can bring on the defensive end of the floor. Um, obviously, the big question mark for Akpala comes with his shooting, right? Because that's what he's going to need to do on offense to warrant him getting those minutes on the defensive end. Um, and throughout the course of his career, he hasn't been a great three-point shooter. Um, he's taken 77 throughout three years with Miami, and that's 21 of 77 is what he's converted uh, 27.3%. So definitely not optimal. He just needs to hit catch and shoot threes at like a 35% rate, a wide open catch and shoot threes. I still don't think I'd go with Akpala in that starting lineup. Uh, Keegan Murray played great. I've been really vocal about the spacing being something that I think is crucial for unlocking Fox and Sabonis. I think we saw some moments in that starting lineup when it was Fox, Herter, Barnes, Akpala, and Sabonis that the spacing wasn't great. LA is just able to pack the paint so much and could care less about De'Aaron Fox shooting threes, about Casey Akpala shooting threes. Sabonis isn't even on the perimeter. So I think that that's notable. Um, I am live streaming this as well, by the way. Anybody listening to audio, um, I do live streams every once in a while, and there's always video forms of these podcasts on YouTube as well. So definitely check out the King's Pulse um, YouTube as well. And what's up to everybody in the chat here? Um, appreciate you hopping in. But I want to get to this quote before I dive too much into my rotational thoughts. I want to get to this quote, this clip that I have of Mike Brown talking about the rotations um, prior to the team heading to LA, because I think context is important here. You know, the obligatory, like it's just preseason. Don't read too much into it. I can't help myself. That's what I'm going to do anyways. But here's Mike Brown on uh, what the rotations kind of mean in preseason. Hey, how, how, um, how do you handle that in terms of your lineup, your rotation, how, how much you want to kind of go with what, what you might anticipate for the regular season? Uh, everybody's been busting their behinds here. And uh, so if I can, I'm going to try to play everybody uh, this first game. You know, we'll give uh, guys that are going to 
probably being the starting lineup and being the being the heavy mix. We may give them one one or two goes in the first half, and uh, but if we can, we'd like to get everybody on the floor, especially in this first game. Do you start the five that, that you're kind of looking at right now, or, or do you mix that up? Uh, I'll probably start the five that uh, have a chance to start, but don't. You know that 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 group may not start at the end of the day. We may change it up the next game. Hey. Yeah, so take that for what you will. Uh, you know, might change it up at the next game, but I'm going to start the group that has a chance to start. Um, it's worth noting that everybody that started played zero minutes in the second half. And I think that was expected for Fox, HB, and Domas. Uh, Kevin Herter makes sense there as well. For Akpala to not play a minute in the second half, I think is also pretty notable. And there was a practice we, we got let in um, for media availabilities, just for context. They let us into practices right at the very end of them. Sometimes we get to catch a little. You guys probably saw clips of them shooting free throws, and if they miss, they ran. Um, that's when we got clips of the Barry Bonds speech. And then we also saw a little bit of five-on-five five that got posted as well. And we saw Casey Akpala playing with that starting four. And I didn't put too much stock into it, to be honest. There were also benches for each one of these teams. Um, but obviously once we saw again at shoot around the morning of the Lakers game that Casey Akpala was in the same jersey as the rest of the starting unit, it's like, okay, I think this might be happening. And I think for him to not be playing with that bench unit really at all, um, at least the, the deeper bench that we saw in the second half of this game, because again, everybody in that starting lineup didn't play a single minute in the second half. I think for KZ to also be in that group is something that's notable when it comes to Keegan Murray. Keegan played amazing. I, I thought that he looked a little rushed at first. Um, maybe not rushed. I, I thought he looked like he was settling at first. And I think that I'm the outlier in that. I just thought that he w- had a lot of these like push shots when it's like, okay, just get all the way to the rim. Um, but he settled in really, really quick. And Murray ends the game with a game high, uh, 16 points on 7-11 from the field, 2-4 from three. That's also with six rebounds, an assist, two steals. Murray looks comfortable. Murray looks confident um, and he's just ready for the NBA. Like I I think as expected, I I think that he might already be better than what I had thought. And there's encouraging moments of him working in a two man game. um, And and he just gets his buckets within the flow of the offense. Like that's just what Keegan Murray does. So I was really impressed with Keegan. Obviously I thought he had solid moments on the defensive end like he was okay um not bad not particularly good either but just okay I think is a totally fine bar for your very first game and and again of course of course I'm going to say this over and over this episode it's just preseason so take that for what you will um but Mike Brown after the game um and also for a heads up for how this season is going to work we don't have zoom availabilities post games so for road games Um, there's only going to be quotes from the guys that go and travel. I'm going to try to travel to a few games this year. Um, but on, you know, the podcast check isn't hitting like, uh, amazingly, you know what I mean? So we'll see how much I actually end up traveling this year, but I'm going to try to a little bit, definitely going to happen with golden state games. Um, and I think all the LA games as well. I didn't do preseason because I was just down in SoCal not long ago, but, I think I'll do the LA games as well because I have family down there. But that's uh, throughout the course of this year. We won't have 
quotes from Zoom post games. So it's going to be reliant on the people that are there, either who cover the local team or um, anybody that ended up traveling. Jason Anderson, I, I know, did travel yesterday and was in LA. So definitely check out his piece at the Sacramento Bee for any good post game quotes. Um, I did pull this one from Mark Medina on on Keegan Murray, and it was very quiet. So I'm not uploading the clip. I'll just read the quote, the part that I took out for you guys. And Mike Brown said, quote, for a young guy, he has a poise about him. Um, he's about as competitive as you can be. He's got a great feel for the game. He's versatile, can play multiple positions. He's got a chance to be good in this league for a long, long time. And I think that's obvious, you know, like you can see it from Keegan right away. Um, it was notable that in the training camp leading up to this, if somebody tried to ask about Keegan, uh, I think Mike Brown was pretty quick to turn it back to focusing on the team, but Keegan was really impressive in his first game. So to hear him hyping up his guy like this, I, I think was, was pretty nice, although it was nothing super out of the ordinary for Keegan to just hit threes at a really high rate this year, play within the flow of the offense, get comfortable playing off a big like DeMontis Sabonis, um, excelling on the defensive end, actually, because there was one clip that I pulled where he broke up a lob as the low man help defender um, and then sprinted down in transition, hit a three, fading to his left from the right corner. Um, and then right after that, jumped in the passing lane right after and ends up throwing down a, a dunk in transition that was pretty easy for him. But um, you know, if he has anticip anticipatory, I hope that's a word, Jesus Christ, um, moments on the defensive end like that where he's a disruptor, I think that that would be one of the biggest pluses and things that I am not expecting from Keegan. But if he's that sort of disruptive defender on a more consistent basis, I think that would be huge because you're expecting him to hit open shots and be the Chris Middleton that he talks about on the offensive end. Um, not the self-creation right away. Maybe that becomes a thing later, but I think it's easy to see how Keegan Murray could fit alongside um, some of these other guys in that starting lineup. You know, I, I, it was a hot topic of should Keegan be moved into the starting lineup um, in the next game instead of Casey Paula? I think so. Um, I'm also going to trust. It, it's hard to tell right now. It's hard to tell right now. Until he gives me a reason not to, I'm going to trust Mike Brown. I think that I understand what Akpala brings defensively that nobody else does. But Murray brings something on offense that is essential for unlocking Fox and Sabonis. So if Akpala can hit his open threes at a decent rate, then I think there's a possibility for keeping him there. But we'll have to see. It wouldn't surprise me if Keegan Murray works his Keegan Murray works his way into that starting lineup pretty quickly here. Um, and we did see him get some run. I think it's worth noting that the two other guys that we saw get run with Fox, Herter, and Sabonis were Davion Mitchell and Keegan Murray. So we saw a lineup of Fox, Mitchell, Barnes, Murray, Sabonis. Could that be something that they're potentially considering? Maybe. Um, I don't think we saw Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox share the floor at all. I'm pretty sure we didn't. And I know we did not see Demonis Sabonis and um, Rashawn Holmes share the floor at all. So I think that's interesting. Again, um, it's just preseason. Take what you will. And these starters were only going to play the first half. So 
again, take it, take that for what you will. But also to that same point, um, I was really interested in like the hockey sort of substitutes that it seemed like, okay, this is the starting lineup. They're all going to play together. There was that brief overlap where I mentioned Davion and Keegan played with the other starting three. And then they went to a full bench unit of Davion Mitchell, Malik Monk, Keegan Murray, Trey Lyles, and Rashawn Holmes. And that lineup played a lot together. And I'm curious to see if we're going to experience a lot of, here's the starting unit that's going to play a lot together, and here's the bench unit that's going to play a lot together as a four- or five-man group. So we'll see. I, I think that staggering Fox and Sabonis makes a lot of sense. And that's probably the way I would go about it. That's what I expect to happen throughout the course of this season. And maybe it's just these guys, Fox and Sabonis were each only going to play about 15 minutes. So you might as well get them all of their minutes together since their chemistry continuing to develop and grow is um, more as essential as anything else on this roster. So don't want to read too much into it, but it's again, just another one of those things I'm going to keep tabs on moving forward that Fox and Sabonis played pretty much all of their minutes together. Um, I think Fox played like one minute without Sabonis. And yeah, no, no Rashawn Holmes or DeMontis Sabonis. We'll see if that gets pulled out situationally. Um, when it comes to that bench lineup, I think that it's notable that Trey Lyles was playing over Chemezi Metu. We didn't see Chemezi Metu until the, the third quarter. And Metu didn't look great. Um, you guys probably know if you're listening to this, I'm not the biggest Chemezi Metu fan, to be honest. Um, but it seems like Mike Brown might not be either. We don't know. Again, again, again. I hate that I have to say this over and over, but I literally have no choice. It's just preseason. Um, so take that for what you will. But there was a moment. Mike Brown was pretty quick to call timeouts, right? There was one possession in the second quarter started. Sacramento had a possession. Um, I, I think that they didn't get a look to go down. And then on the defensive end, they allowed there was a drive that happened and Trey Lyles who was guarding when Gabriel stepped up to stop the the dribble penetration that was Malik Monk, Monk's man that just drove right past him Trey Lyles stepped up to stop it and when Gabriel who Trey Lyles was covering was in the dunker spot got it dropped off to him and got an easy dunk that Lyles wasn't able to re to recover for and at the same time Rashawn Holmes did not um, help in that situation as well. It's hard to tell exactly who was at fault in that scenario. I think all of Monk, Lyles, and Holmes played pretty poor on that specific defensive possession, but I'm highlighting this because it was one defensive possession in this, into the second quarter, and Mike Brown called a timeout and was like, no, we're going to figure this shit out. Um, we got to get our shit straight. And I think that, that was a theme I noticed a little bit throughout the the course of the game there were multiple possessions where it was like I thought things were going well and then there was just one possession that happened Mike Brown had seen enough called a timeout and was like we're going to get our we're going to get ourselves back together uh, we need better energy competitive spirit is a pairing of words that I think I've heard 20 to 30 different times out of Mike Brown's mouth throughout the course of this last week or two and I think that anytime he sensed that that was lacking, he was very, very quick to, to call a timeout. And I started with Chemezi Metu here because there was one moment where Chemezi Metu um, didn't do a great job covering this dribble handoff and allowed, I forget which Laker it was. It might've been Max Christie 
um, I could be wrong with that, to get a good look from beyond the arc. And very quickly, you saw Mike Brown call a timeout and then go up to Chemezi Metu and, and have a conversation about that defensive coverage right there. So I think it'll be interesting to see the Metu versus Lyles um, sort of, I guess, backup four battle that could be potentially going on in Sacramento. So we'll see what ends up happening there. Also interesting that Terrence Davis was not part of that backup unit. And once Keegan Murray isn't in the starting lineup, it's, I don't know, you could put Keegan at the four and maybe Trey Lyles doesn't play. And then you have Terrence Davis play the three in that backup unit. Like I personally thought Trey Lyles was really bad. Trey Lyles is in good shape. He lost 20 pounds, he says, um, from the end of last season to the start of training camp this year. And I was rolling my eyes at guys put on or lost X amount of pounds in the off season. But I think you actually could see it with Trey Lyles. He looked noticeably more uh, slim, but he was just really not good in that game. Um, I don't have the biggest hope for Trey Lyles in the first place. I think he's a solid shooter who's a smart offensive player when it comes to like, he could put the ball on the floor, attack a closeout and make okay decisions from there. But you'd really like him to be shooting it more often uh, rather than all these pump fakes that he seems to love. And defensively, I mean, you're not getting anything from Trey Lyles on defense. He, he's actually a pretty significant negative. So it'll be interesting to see what goes on there because personally, I would have a starting lineup. Uh, Mike Brown said he wants to get to 10 deep. If he can get to 10 deep, that would be awesome. Um, and I would have starting five be De'Aaron Fox, um, Kevin Herter, Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray, DeMontis Sabonis. And then I would have the bench five be Davion Mitchell, Malik Monk, Terrence Davis. Yeah, Casey Akpala and Rashawn Holmes. Ignore my hesitation there. I thought I got confused for a sec. But I think that that would make sense to me. Um, I, I like Terrence Davis over Trey Lyles playing KZ at the four is intriguing to me, but we'll have to see what, what ends up happening. I think when it comes to Davion Mitchell, he did his, his typical disruptiveness on the defensive end, like, which is just, I, I love watching Davion Mitchell play defense. He ended the game with three steals, three assists. And I, I think that he had two different charges drawn. One was on Pat Bev, which is a very uh, ironic scenario. So I, I thought that was a uh, pretty funny and it was great to see Davion in form. He, he definitely put on a little bit of weight as well. Um, getting asked in the chat who I would cut by Mrs. Mack. I will get to that in a second. Um, I want to keep going through a couple of these individual notes, but we will get to this. Um, Let's see, where else do we want to go? Um, some of these other guys, Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox did not have great shooting games. Um, Fox went 4 of 12 from the field, 0 of 3 from beyond the arc, 10 points, 4 rebounds, and assist. Um, I thought he was pretty aggressive on defense. I, I think that he definitely started the game poor on defense. He had a couple... Just typical De'Aaron Fox things on defense, to be honest, from what we're used to of it was just like lazy following his guy and allowing easy cuts, maybe got caught ball watching and things like that. 
He was more aggressive, I thought, in trying to force turnovers, which is something I'm curious to see if Sacramento is going to do more next year because last year they really were not a team that forced many turnovers at all. Um, they were 13th in the league um, at 14.1, but I think being more of a team like the Minnesota Timberwolves um, that last year that were just like mucking it up on the defensive end is something that we could see going into next year um, or into this season, I guess now we call it. So I think that'll be interesting. Um, I also have one clip here that I do want to play where De'Aaron Fox talks about trying to learn to play more off ball. Talk about working on your off ball game a lot. How much do you feel like you've grown in that aspect? I think I've grown tremendously. Um, like I said, since since we hired Luke, that was one of the things. I mean, he came and it's like, obviously you're going to have the ball in your hand a lot, but... Um, you know, to truly be a better player, um, you have to be able to shoot the ball and, and work off the ball. And um, those are things that, you know, we, we hit the ground running starting in, I think, like June. Um, so it's, it's, it's been a lot. And it's definitely uh, different from anything I've done before. And I've said that before. But uh, to truly be taught that, I think, is, is very different. How is your relationship with Domas uh, sort of developing both on the court and off the court? Uh, it's definitely grown. Um, obviously, he's been here for maybe eight months um but he, he's someone who's one easy to get along with easy to get to know and um on, on and off the court i mean he's a willing passer he, he wants to get you open so it's easy to play with somebody like that yeah, i think hearing domas this is something we touched on a little bit on the king's beat with james and sean um but hearing sorry not domas but d Aaron talk about how this is the first offseason he's really put a lot of time into his off ball game and really developing that to the extent that he has with Luke Lauks. Um, like he says, he's been working on that for months. I think it's pretty significant. Um, it doesn't seem like he came into last year thinking that Tyrese was going to get the touches that he did. I don't think any of us expected Tyrese to have the jump that he did offensively and warrant the amount of touches that he eventually would. So I think that's understandable. Um, I think it's also worth noting that sure De'Aaron hasn't been a good three point shooter, right? 30% last year um, on 4.2 a game, but on the 1.5 that were catch and shoot 35%. If you go back to 2020, 21, he shot 32% on the year on 5.5 a game, but on the 1.5 that were catch and shoot 39%. So to be a 39% catch and shoot shooter to then 35%, I think he's been pretty respectable on catch and shoot threes. Um, obviously the way that his game is going to get totally unlocked and taken to the next level, especially a pairing with DeMontis Sabonis is hitting them off the, um, off the dribble or pull-ups and just to, that way defenders can't don't feel like they can go under screens and not get punished. And that's where De'Aaron um, has struggled. Obviously uh, last year, 27.1% on pull-up threes, 30% the year prior. So that off the dribble game needs to be much improved, but as a catch and shoot guy, I do think that he's been pretty solid on the, when it comes to, to triples. So it'll be interesting to see how his game grows and in, in his chemistry with DeMontis Sabonis as well. Um, let's go through some of the other guys on this roster towards the end that I thought were somewhat interesting. Um, obviously Keon Ellis is, is the goat and, Currently, Keon Ellis is averaging, I think it's 10.3 blocks and 5.1 steals per 36 minutes. So I'm going to ride that stat for about as long as I can until we have our next game on Sunday. Um, Keon only played seven minutes, but I thought he was pretty disruptive. 
airballed a three for what it's worth. It might've gotten blocked. Um, but I thought Keon was as expected. I thought Della Vadova was as expected. He was, he did a good job with the three assists, zero turnovers. There was one poor pass from, I want to say Alex Len that he was playing with, um, that got deflected and Delhi did a good job of very quickly getting on the floor and making sure it was a jump ball rather than a turnover. Um, he didn't make any any shots. He's the only player on the team. All 20 guys played, which is something Mike Brown said he wanted to do, but really doesn't happen that often um, for different teams here, even in preseason. But Mike Brown did successfully play all 20 guys, and nobody played less than seven minutes. Matthew Delavidova was the only guy on the team not to score. But like I said, I th- still think he did what you would want from him on that end. Sam Merrill hit his open shots, uh, came in. A little earlier than I would have thought. It was still late in the game, but I was surprised he came in before Keon Ellis, before uh, Chima Moneki. So I, I thought that that was a little bit interesting. Uh, Terrence Davis did not look very good with one of six from the field, though of six from three. He only got to play nine minutes. Um, and I think that Terrence Davis is a guy that, I mean, it's not just Terrence Davis. I think it's a thing that it's really tough for guys that are spark plugs and shooters to just come off the bench and expect them to be knocking down all their shots just from being cold, just coming in and being ready right away. Like, I think that's a really tough thing. And to me, it looks like that's something that TD kind of struggles with as a lot of players in the league do. Um, But, you know, again, 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 it's all preseason. Take this for what you will. The smallest sample size you can possibly get. So, you know, Tuesday overreactions on the Kings beat. This entire episode is a Tuesday overreaction, but that's the nature of how this is going to work. So take it for what you will. These things only matter if they become a trend in the upcoming games as well. Uh, Malik Monk, I think I touched on him a little bit. Three of 11 from the field, one of five from three. Uh, I didn't think Monk was great. I thought Monk maybe was forcing it a little bit, but if he has a pretty long leash when it comes to running that bench unit, I think I feel okay with that. I'd like to see him playing off of Domas a little bit more. Um, I'm sure that will happen throughout the course of the year, but I'm just curious to see exactly how that looks and if that pairing can work pretty well together. Um, I know that Malik said that he's comfortable playing off a of big like that, considering he played off of Anthony Davis last year. Um, I do think that's different, but that's, uh, that's Monk's perspective on that. Let's see who else we got here. Kind of just going through the names. Somebody asked me, uh, do I think Chima will make the roster? Chima Moneki. Um, I was surprised that it took Chima as long to get into the game as it did. He had one really nice block, and I think he was just the effort guy that you expect him to be. He got his head stepped on uh, <laughs> pretty crazily really early to coming into the game. But I hope that we get to see more of Moneki in these in these upcoming preseason games. But right now, just based on overreacting to the minutes that we saw in preseason game one, it kind of seems like Chima is is on the outside. You know, it seems like Chima Moneke, one of the guards between Cook and Delavadova and Sam Merrill would be my expected cuts, but we'll see. Um, it could be Kent Bazemore instead of Moneke. It could be Chemezi Metu instead of Moneke. So we will see. Um, when it comes to Quinn Cook, it's not much to take away. Like he didn't hit very many of his shots, um, and that's what Quinn Cook is out there to do. Um, I, I I don't really have a preference between Cook and 
in Delhi when it comes to that third string point guard. I could see a world where you cut them both, to be honest, because I think if either of um, if either of Fox or Mitchell go down, that I'm not looking to either one of them for the backup three. I'm putting more minutes into Malik Monk or or Kevin Herter or if Kent Bazemore is still here, um, going with him and then just running the offense through DeMontis Sabonis and some of these other guys. So I, I think any world where Fox goes down, the Kings are in a really shitty position anyways, to be honest. Um, and if Davion goes down for an extended period of time, my backup one is not a Matthew Dellavedova or a Quinn Cook. It's Kevin Herter with more responsibilities. It's Malik Monk. It's, I mean, can Casey Paula bring the fl- ball up the floor sometimes? I don't know. Like, but it's literally just to bring the ball up the floor and then you're running through Domas. Like, I think that that's the scenario you're talking about. So I don't have a strong preference on, on the backup one. Um, Kent Bazemore, again, hard to take anything from these eight minutes that he played. Alex Len hit all of his shots. He's a big body. Um, I previously said that I think Len should play over Kata, uh, just because I think Len is a substantially better player at this point in his career. And the Kings are obviously fully invested on winning as many games as possible right now. Um, I could easily be talked out of that. I don't think that's something I have a super strong opinion on right now or anything like that. Um, yeah. Does anybody in the chat have any questions for me before I get out of here and wrap up this episode. Um, I think that I touched on everything that was substantial to me. Um, and I don't know if I have anything else here, guys. Uh, Rashawn Holmes, I guess as well. I thought Rashawn Holmes looked really rusty and he just didn't look very good. He looked pretty poor on the defensive end. I thought that a Lyles and Holmes defensive pairing was just not it. And I think just Holmes needs to be better. Holmes missed a couple of easy layups. He still went four of six from the field, which is impressive. And and you'll take that any day. Um, But I think that Holmes needs to get a little bit more comfortable. Um, Yeah. I think that also I'm, I don't want to put out their, plays maybe just yet i want to get a better feel for them but just as a little peek um push five is their most common play and if you ever hear mike brown yelling that or you know if they pan the camera over to him and you can see him kind of mouthing the words push five push five is is going to be their most common play and involves two bigs at the elbow and, and kind of moving from there. I won't go into too much detail explaining it right now until I get a better ideal my ideal myself, but look out for push five. Um, pretty common play. And let's see. I don't know if I have anything else, guys. Um, do I have any bold opinions on the teams on the team for this season? Not really. Um, I'm honestly pretty skeptical on I hate to be the downer, but it's like really hard for them to make the 10 seed. You know, I I don't, I guess we can talk about the Lakers a little bit because that's some of their direct competition in my mind. I can't put it in my, I can't find it in my heart to put a team with Anthony Davis and LeBron James below the Kings. 
when it comes to regular season standings. Like, I, I, I can't do it. We'll see how much those guys play. I understand the rest of the team is not good. Like, where the hell? What happens with Russell Westbrook? It's also a really good chance that they end up trade doing a trade um, in the middle of this season and getting better, substantially better at the deadline or prior to that. So we'll see. I like D Jones, but obviously he's not like a huge difference maker. Same with Kendrick Nunn. Like I get that their surrounding pieces are bad. I'm pretty big on, on Thomas Bryant prior to him going down with that. Uh, I want to say it was an ACL injury in Washington. So we'll see how he recovers. Um, but Juan Toscano Anderson's okay. I think Patrick Beverly is really solid. I think Austin Reeves is a solid player. We'll see what's up with Wenyan Gabriel. I think he's had his moments. I think relying on him is not a great spot to be in. But I get the concerns, point being, with the depth in, Sac- in um, excuse me, in L.A. with the Lakers. But I personally can't find it. I can't put a team with LeBron and A.D., below the Sacramento Kings. The Blazers are the next question. Um, I am going to re-watch their game that they played last night against the Clippers a little bit later today on a live stream uh, with Chris Watkins, by the way. So check out for that later tonight. I'm going to be doing this throughout the course of the whole season, going to be re-watching the games that Sacramento played and then also watching some of their uh, close competition in the West. Maybe any other games I kind of happen to find intriguing, um, but also the most recent game of the team that they're about to play in their next game, the Sacramento Kings, is against the Portland Trail Blazers. So we're going to be watching this one on stream while we also watch back the Lakers and Kings preseason debut. Um, that's twitch.tv slash Brendan NBA. That's the end of plugging that, but that'll be happening later. When it comes to Blazers depth, um, I think that obviously Lillard and Simons are really good, specifically Lillard best player on any of these teams when it comes to the Portland and Sacramento at very least easily the best player right and there's a lot of value in having the single best player after that um, I, I really really like their starting lineup when it comes to Lillard Hart Simons Grant and Nurkic perimeter defense is a struggle and the fact that they are still running out a small guard backcourt with Lillard and Simons after dealing with Lillard and McCollum forever, I think is, is a little bit comical, but offensively that pairing should really be able to score. I I know that they are really high on Anthony Simons. Um, I, he's a really good shooter. I think he's got self-creation potential. Um, Four years, a hundred million is a little, he's got to show more to warrant that contract. He could end up outplaying it. But I, I like Simons. I like Josh Hart. After that, their bench is is tough, right? Like I think Nasir Little is promising. Shaden Sharp and Keon Johnson are total question marks, but guys with really high ceilings in my mind. I think both of those guys could eventually be starters in the league. I don't know that I'm betting on that, but the potential is definitely there. Justice Winslow is intriguing. Can Greg Brown become someone? So I think the interesting thing to monitor with Portland and also Gary Payton. The second is one of their big additions. Uh, Can Trent Watford or Trendon Watford, I think is the first name. I think I got that wrong. Um, Believe the LSU kid that was just the summer league finals MVP. Can he become something substantial for them? So 
I think that the question with Portland is I really like their starting lineup. How horrible are they going to be defensively? How much can Grant and Nurkic as a back line really make a difference for you there? And then who on, who is going to step up on their bench is justice Winslow going to be substantial and be able to hit enough open shots or just be a really, really good defender. Can Shaden sharp contribute early on? Um, I wouldn't bet on it, but maybe can Keon Johnson utilize his athleticism to be a total force in transition and just not be like totally out of control. Um, can Nasir Little take a jump? I think Nasir Little is probably a lock in their rotation. Um, I, I think Little isn't as much of a question mark as some of these other guys, but the upside is potentially there. So I think it's that that's interesting to me when it comes to Portland. Um, let's see, what else do we have here? I think that's it, guys. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Stay on the lookout again for that live stream that I'm going to do later tonight, watching that back. Also, Scoot Henderson and Victor Wembanyama play later tonight. Um, the G League exhibition game or whatever that is, they're going head-to-head, the likely number one and two picks in the 2023 NBA draft. So definitely tune into that. I believe it starts at 7 p.m. I don't know what my timing is going to be when it comes to this live stream. I don't know if I'm going to do before, during, or after that game, to be honest. Um, We'll have to see. I don't even know where that game is being televised, if it is being televised. So that's all I got, guys. The Kings' next game is on Sunday. We don't have any media availability today, the 4th, but I'm assuming that we will in the coming days, potentially tomorrow on Wednesday, leading up to their preseason home opener that I believe is on Sunday against the Portland Trailblazers. It'll be interesting to see what trends that I've highlighted today end up carrying over into the next game because as I've said a hundred times, I'm going to have to say throughout all of these preseason games, it's just preseason. And everything I talked about today is honestly an overreaction to a one game sample size, but I think it's the notes that I'm keeping to see what continues on and carries over and becomes a trend. So that's where we're at. Kings basketball is back, baby. We're officially underway in the 2022-23 NBA season. I'm excited to be here. Um, I appreciate everybody that has been consuming my content. And of course, the content that is also by myself and all the other guys, great guys and gals at the Kings Herald. So take a look at their Patreon to support local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And hear from me again in the next couple of days.